0: Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. We wouldn't knowingly drag one of these around all day on purpose. I mean, maybe maybe we some of you knowingly would. But most of us wouldn't knowingly drag one of these around, you know, wherever we go and, oh look, there's the guy with the chain. We, we wouldn't do that on purpose, yet that's what many of us do sometimes. Not in the form of a literal chain, but in terms of things that bind us, things that hold us in bondage, things that enslave us and keep us in a, in a spiritually suppressed state. And I wonder why we, I wonder if that's accidental. I wonder if we don't notice it. I wonder if, if, because we've been there so long, maybe perhaps we tend to think that's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? I mean, isn't life supposed to be, aren't I supposed to be in bondage? Aren't I supposed to be enslaved to, to, to this? Is, is this just not the new normal for me? And the answer to that's no. It's not the new normal. That's not the way it should be. That's not the way we're supposed to live. That's not how we were designed to be. Um, And in spite of the fact that there are evil things happening in this world, in fact, uh, Hannah and I were having a conversation yesterday about, she said, Dad, I I noticed you are speaking on being enslaved and and slavery on Sunday. She said, did you know that there's more slavery in practice today than at any point in history? I said, yes, I do it's human trafficking. We, we, we call it something more politically correct now. Uh, we call it human trafficking instead of slavery, but it's still slavery. It's mostly young girls. It, it is some young young boys too, but there are more folks involved in human trafficking, and it would surprise you even in this country how many are, but that's not the design. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live enslaved. We're not supposed to live in trap. We're not supposed to live in bondage. He came to bring us freedom. He came to break the chains that that bind us and, and, and keep us suppressed and keep us in bondage and keep us in, in, a, in a position where we feel at least listening to what the enemy says to us we feel enslaved feel like there 's no way out and there is there are some things though that that lend themselves to our moving in that direction and so here 's where Peter is today he issues this caution to say here 's what slavery looks like and so if you're, if you're going to walk in that you 're going to walk in that because you choose to, not because you have to. Those are, there's great news here today in this text. Just, uh, read it along with me here beginning in verse 17 of Second uh, Peter 2 through the end of the chapter. These people are springs without water. Now you remember last, last week we looked at this idea of false teachers and those who follow after false teachers. The, the, those who are influencers negatively and those who allow themselves to be influenced by that negative influence. So he's revisiting that again from both stances today here in this text. These people are springs without water and mists driven by storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to wallowing in the mud. Now, he is, as, as I say, issues us caution here. I want to I touch on four of these. There, there are perhaps more, but I want to touch on at least four of these, of how easy it is for us to become enslaved if our minds and our spirits aren't guarded against it. The first thing is this. We can become enslaved to emptiness. That's what he speaks about in these first couple of verses. These people are springs without water, mist driven by a storm, blackest darkness are reserved for them. And watch this phrase. They mouth empty, boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature springs without water he says empty boastful words um you've probably known folks like that in our culture i think that's i think these were these verses are are our testimony uh, really probably to to modern day liberalism Uh, liberals don't call themselves liberals anymore they call themselves progressives which is fine but as long as you say you care as long as you want to make people think you care then you care but there's really no follow-up to that. There's no action behind the, the I say I care. And uh, so what we end up doing is, is when, when a problem services rather than solve the problem, this happens often in Washington, it happens everywhere else too, but rather than solve the problem, we just throw more money at it and thinking, well, more money is going to fix the problem. No, if we've got a moral problem, if we've got a heart problem, if we've got a problem of, of, of principle and a, and a problem of truth and a problem of error being seen or not seen, that's the problem that needs to be addressed. Not throwing money at something to make it go away. That's often, oftentimes how we think. Um, and conservatives, honestly, probably aren't much better with, with their promise of less government, smaller government, and, and less intrusion. And, and, and government's nothing smaller than it is. It never has been. It continues to grow. We continue to spend more, spend more money and, and, and do more things, get involved in more things um, than, than government ever needed to be. Uh, in fact... Well, we'll let that go. Um, we don't need more politicians, as I shared with you last week. We don't need more politicians. We need more leaders. We need more folks who will, who will stand and tell the truth. Here's where we are. Here's where we need to go. Here's where we've strayed. Here's where we've erred. Here's what needs to be done to correct where we've erred, and where we've strayed. Um, sadly, though, I think many in our culture and many in our country have, have learned to, to, to take the norm as emptiness They've learned it. They've learned to, to believe the, the fact that I'm going to be lied to. I'm not going to be told. I'm going to get spin instead of the, the real truth on this. I'm going to get someone else's opinion on it. Some educated person's opinion that sits in a box in a square on my on on TV screen. I'm going to get their opinion about how this is supposed to go, and that's, my, that's what I absorb rather than what's the right position here? How should I think about this rightly and wrongly instead of based on what, where, where the rest of our culture is going? And sadly, we, we absorb... This whole idea of, of empty feeding, of, of, of feeding on emptiness and, and, and words that don't matter and promises that are never kept and we feed on the emptiness, emptiness and we think that's okay. We think that's that's right and it's not okay and it's not right and we should recognize it. That That's one of the things that lures us into being enslaved by that thought process and thinking this is as good as it's ever going to get. I'm always, empty is going to be the norm. No, it shouldn't be. We should demand truth. We should demand truth from falsehood. Um, and, and that's that's, not political it's just right we need to look at truth and see what's right see what's wrong and say how does this mesh how does this fit with the scripture with the word of god and if it doesn't it don't matter whether it's a liberal or conservative a democrat or republican or independent or someone else it needs to look like the scripture and when we err from that we're heading in the wrong direction but emptiness shouldn't be the norm we can become enslaved to it though secondly we can become enslaved to the need of the moment look in verse 19 they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity for, and I love this phrase, if it's not underlined in, in your Bible, if you have a pen or a highlighter, underline this phrase, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Um, in, in his book, uh, The Tyranny of the Urgent, Charles Hummel talks about this very thing of, of this sense of immediacy, but the, the need of the moment. This, this idea that we become enslaved to the need of the moment and the tyranny of the urgent is what drives the day. The thing that's on our plate right now, the thing that, that, that's staring us in the face right now is the thing that, ga- that guides our thinking, that guides our morality, that guides our, what, what, we, what we decide is, is need versus want. What we look at is truth from error. What we look at is right from wrong. It's all current. It's all the things that are on our plate now rather than having a, a sense of principle and a sense of truth ingrained in us and rooted in us that is right and wrong whether we're, st- we're looking at today whether we're looking at 10 years ago or 30 years down the road it's still going to be right 30 years down the road and so this sense of immediacy that we live with can as I say enslave us because we're do you know anybody that's not busy I don't know anybody or at least it wouldn't say they're busy they're not busy we're 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 going places. We're, we're rushing around to do this and that, and getting the kids over here, and getting getting work, and working overtime, and, and getting and go home, and we got things to do at home, and this needs to be done around the house, and I got I got to work in the yard, and I got to do. I don't know anybody's not busy. Here's what I think. I may be wrong, but here's what I think. I think one of the great tools of the enemy in our culture, in our modern day Americanized Christian culture, is this. As long as I can keep you busy. I've got you exactly where I want you. You don't have any time to serve God. You don't have any time to think about anything spiritual. You don't have any, have any time to, to wonder about a sense of right and wrong, a sense of morality, a sense of truth versus error. You don't have time for that because you're consumed with your schedule. You're consumed with the, with, with the, the calendar in your phone, in your daytime if you're still old school. You're consumed with those things. You're consumed with the things that that, 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 that monitor your days, that motivate the, the ways that you have to make decisions, things you have to process, places you have to go, conversations you have to have. That's, that consumes you <clears throat> and your busyness, your sense of I need to be busy or, or life isn't working, is what drives you rather than the things that need to be of, of God's word. So we live in a work-centered culture, I think, and then leave our work-centered culture and come home to, to, to child-centered homes. I think it's the direction our, kids are, our, our world is headed because kids rule the day in most homes. And work rules the day in most lives. And so we go from from a sense of where we feel like we're out of control at work to where we still feel like we're out of control at home when we get home. What's wrong with that picture? Well, as I say, this sense of immediacy, the tyranny of the urgent is driving the day. There's no time for us to sit back and say, okay, what's the right and wrong way for me to handle this? What's the right and wrong way for me to parent my child? Rather than them dictating everything that's going on in my life and me following along after that, thinking I'm being a good parent because I'm working. And I feel guilty that I'm working all the time. Or because I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I feel guilty that I'm away from my kid or I don't have time to help with homework. And so over and over and over, as I said, I think, I think one of the tools the enemy uses is business. The other one that he uses in many parents' lives is guilt. I want to be my kid's buddy rather than my kid's parents. So I don't want to push them in the wrong direction. I don't want to make them mad. I don't want to get them upset at me because I want them to like me because I feel better when I'm working all the time, or I feel better when I've got to go do this. I feel better when I'm away from them. I feel better when I can't help them with my homework with their, with their homework because, gee, uh, that's what parents should do, isn't it, is make sure kids are okay and they're happy? No. What parents should do is make sure their kids are godly, not that the kids are okay and they're happy. If a kid's okay and happy, great, if that's the, if that's the end outcome of being godly in your home. But but where we need to, 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 to rise and fall as, as parental leaders in our home is what's right and wrong for my child, not what makes them feel better about themselves, not what gives them a greater sense of self-esteem because their esteem should be found in the Savior that's in their heart, not in the circumstances of their life, not in how they do in school. They should do well in school, not in, not in how they handle themselves at home, their homework, their, their, their chores, their duties. They should do those things too, but their esteem should be found in the Savior that's in their heart not in the circumstances of their life. Sadly, that's where our culture goes. If our circumstances are wrong, our esteem is bruised. Rather than, who am I in Christ? Who does he say that I am? Where, where does my value come from, and how is that defined? Um, well, how do we fix this? <laughs> how do we fix this problem of, of the need of the moment, the tyranny of the urgent? We have to look through a longer lens. We have to get our, We have to get our minds off of today, and it's a step at a time. I realize this doesn't come easy. But we have to get our mind, and it, it, it may it may mean for some of us saying no to that or to this or to this trip or this meeting or this. It may say say, uh, say no. Sometimes a hard no to a friend, even or, or whatever. But it may mean our, our clearing our schedule out more to where there is more time with our kids, there is more opportunity for our Lord. But we have to start thinking or, or stop thinking in, in 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 the sense of what's driving my plate today, and look more in terms of what's my what's my lifetime counting for what what does my life look like and and looking back on the last 10 years if the next 10 years look like the last 10 years will anybody be any closer to jesus will anybody look any any more like him? will my life have counted for more will my life have mattered any more in the next 10 than the last 10 we we have to start looking at our, at our lives through a lifetime lens rather than just what's on our plate today and hear me say this <laughs> If your parents are preschoolers, you got little kids, I understand your problem, and I, I've been there, and, it's, it, and it consumes you. you got a baby in your home. You're consumed with that, and so go ahead and be consumed. Don't feel guilty about the fact that you you can't walk away from your child and go in a prayer closet and pray. No, you, you're to take care of your child. You're not to neglect that, and, and, and hear me say that. I don't mean you need to wrap them up in duct tape and leave them in a corner and come back and get them later you know, when, it, when you feel like it, but there, there are responsibilities you have as a parent, but but there 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 is this sense of, in our culture, if if the urgent is driving everything we do, we'll miss the greater picture of what God wants to accomplish out of our life. And so we have to change our focus from, the, from a sense of immediacy to what is my life counting for? And sometimes you've got to look back and look forward to see that. Beyond that even is looking through an eternal lens, and that's the even harder jump from, from my lifetime lens to an eternal lens to say is anything I'm doing or the things I'm doing with my kid is the thing I'm, or the things I'm doing at work, is my marriage worth modeling by somebody? Are, are anything that i are, are, are my circumstances any different than this world's circumstances? Is there anything that, that's worth following? That's worth modeling. Is there anything in my life that will outlive me? Will will, will, will people stand before my, my casket or my, uh, in, in a memorial service one of these days for me and say, boy, they were nice, they were they were really nice, or will they stand before me and say, man, the kingdom's bigger because of these people? Someone. And many someones, and maybe even some of you sitting in this room are, are here and will be in the kingdom or a part of God's family because of the influence of this person in this box. See, that's looking through an eternal lens. When we see our lives invested in those ways, we can start to say, oh, it's mattering or it's not. We start to see a clear picture of, of what God wants to see rather than being consumed by the enemy's ways and the enemy's delve into our, into our world and into our schedule and into our day and into our plan help us see things that that, uh, we otherwise wouldn't see. Well not only can we become enslaved to emptiness and the need of the moment, thirdly we can become enslaved to the familiar. We can become enslaved to the familiar. So get 20 and 21 together. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness and to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. This word here, entangled. Once you have tasted your relationship with Jesus, and then you again become entangled in the strings that this world has has drawn you into in the first place. He says, you're worse off at the end than you were at the beginning. If you think you can walk with Christ and go back and dabble in the things in this world that you used to dabble in, get entangled again in the things of this world, you think, well, how can I influence people for Christ without going back in the world? And the answer is you can't. But there's a difference in walking in that world with him and for him and walking in that world with you and for you. There's a drastic difference in those two things. If my motive in being there and revisiting some of my old relationships, some of my old stomping grounds, some of my old folks, my old, my old peeps, in, in revisiting some of those, those kinds of situations, if my motive is eternal, I'm looking through an eternal lens. My my motive is, I want to change the culture of, of maybe what I was a part of that I shouldn't have been a part of years ago, in this relationship, in that, in this place, in that. If my motive is 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 to do that, it's perfectly fine to revisit the world because there's no entanglement. I'm 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 here as a, as a, as an ambassador, as a messenger, as a as a as someone to share truth, to, to 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 love on you in Jesus' name and draw you to Him rather than somebody to come back and participate in the same thing, and you think, I'm okay. You think, no, that's what a Christian is. Not so much. But there, there, there is this idea that, that I think is, is, is easy for us to go back to the familiar, to go back to the known. In fact, I've done a decent amount of counseling with, with married couples over the years, and it amazes me, still amazes me, how many women will go back into abusive relationships and won't get out of that situation. Blows my mind. You know what I've discovered? And and, and men do this too in a different way, not not in in abusive relationships so much, but but back into habits that made them feel more like a man. It amazes me that that we, we, we revisit those things and step into those same places. And what I've discovered is this, in that the pain of the known is what I desire more than the fear of the unknown. I know the known, and the known may be painful, and in some cases maybe even abusive, but I'd rather have the pain of what I know than experience the fear of what I don't know blows my mind. I get it. I understand it, but it still blows my mind to, to think, is it that, are we that fearful of the unknown? Are we that fearful of trusting a God who holds us in his hand anyway? Where do what do we think? Who do we think sustains all of this? We think things just happen around us and we're, we're afraid to trust the God who holds us in the palm of his hand and the fear of, of of walking in a place with him that I've never walked before and experiencing him in a way that I've never experienced before. Rather than do that, we'll go back to the pain of the known, the pain of the familiar, and be drawn back into that again. Um, well, please don't allow the enemy to keep you in slavery. And, and, and Because of, I'd rather know that. I'd rather, I'd rather experience the pain of the known and the fear of the unknown of, of who he is and where he's going. He um he tells us back, in, in fact, turn your Bibles back to First Peter. And we looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago. I want to look at it again. First uh, Peter chapter two, um, verse two says, "Like newborn babes, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation." And look at this. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, now that you've now that you've grown in a level of maturity of, of spiritual maturity to where you know God's way is the best. And you know his ways are the ways that you ought to walk. Once we've tasted that God is good, we've walked with him, we've experienced him in ways that ha- have given us a sense of peace and direction and, and purpose and, and love and, and inclusion and, and community like we've never experienced before. Why would we walk away from that and back into something that would, would draw us away from that very thing that we've experienced before? He's saying, now that you've tasted the Lord's good, why in the world would you step back into where, where you know you don't need to go? Why? Because the pain of the familiar is is more desired than the fear of the unknown I want to encourage you today to step into an unknown place, to to, to move beyond what you're afraid of and trust a God you can't physically touch (laughs) to say he still knows what's best for me, even though I can't get my mind around it sometimes, I don't understand how he works sometimes and the ways that he works sometimes, he still has a better way for me than than what I've known before what I've experienced before Uh, it's easy to get entangled it's easy to, to, to dabble. And, and then a year later, three years, five years later, we look back and think, what happened to my intimacy with God? What happened to, 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 to coin an older phrase, what happened to the joy of my salvation? What happened to the relationship that I, I relished in the Lord? I mean, I, I look forward to church. I look forward to Bible study. I look forward to hanging out with other Christians. I look forward to those. I look forward to worship. I look forward to those. What happened to all that? Now I'm just, and where did that go? It went the way of the world because I I began to be entangled again in the the thought processes, in some of the behaviors, in some of the relationships that drew me away from Him in the first place, or that never let me see Him in the first place. So, it's easy to get entangled. It's easy for us to not see that happening. uh, As it's just real easy. But I I, I want to encourage you to push through the pain, let the pain go, and push through the fear of the unknown to experience Him in a deeper way than you had before. Then, finally, this fourth one is this. We can become enslaved to ourselves look at what he says here in verse 22 of them these who have tasted it and have gone back of them the proverbs are true a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow that is washed returns to following in the mud uh, wallowing in the mud if you, have you ever seen a dog go back to its own vomit we're going to talk, if this makes you uncomfortable uh, we're going to talk about vomit here for a couple of minutes I'm just going to give' you, I'm going to give you Maybe preface that. A dog doesn't go back and eat all of its own vomit. You ever noticed it? I have. Maybe I'm, I'm a warped person for noticing how dogs deal with their own vomit, but I've noticed this before. They go back, and because their nose is so sensitive, they pick out the food particles in the vomit. They don't eat the whole vomit. They just grab bits and pieces that they've eaten before, and they can see sense sense the, the smell of those food particles above the smell of the vomit. Great lesson in that for you and I. We can't pick and choose the things that that we desire to pick and choose of the world and still walk in intimacy with him. We think we can we think gee uh, uh, this relationship's not going it 's not going to pull me down that that in uh, that that meeting that place to work that that's not going to pull me down this this idea this concept this habit this addiction this that's not going I can manage this it's not going to pull me down, and we can't pick and choose like that he's saying you know even though a dog picks it, it's still vomit. I mean, it's still undesirable. None of it's desirable. Even the little food particles, it's not desirable. Why do we do that? I don't get it. He's saying that's, that's, that's the way many of these folks of us look like because we've experienced God, we've tasted Him, we've learned that He's good, and yet we'll go back and pick and choose and try and think we, could, we, can, we can cherry pick the things of the world that are okay or not too bad. Maybe, maybe, maybe don't don't cause our witness to be defamed. You know, instantly, <laughs> Might over time, but not instantly. I can manage this. I can, I can, I can spin this. Okay, I can make make it come out okay. Um, so we can't do. And, and then this lesson of the pig too is a great lesson in this verse. A pig doesn't go back after it's been cleaned up. It doesn't go back to the mud because it likes to be dirty. It goes back to the mud because the mud is cool and damp. It goes back to comfort. And you and I. If, if our goal in walking with him is to seek comfort over really what's needed and what is desired and his design and his plan for us, we're going to become entangled again in those same places. Why? Because comfort is, comfort is, a, is, a, is a, it's a cancer. <laughs> and, and and the more we seek it, the more we find it. And the more we find it, the more we want it. And the more we want it, the more we surround ourselves with things that we can manage, things that we can predict, things that we can, we can make work okay in our little world. And looking through the lens of where we live, everything's okay. I can manage my job. I can manage my family. I can manage my friends. I can manage my relationship, I can manage my money. I can manage the things in my life and make God work and go to church. And I can manage all of this. And he's saying the comfort that you're seeking is not what's going to lead you to me. It's not going to help you find intimacy with me. In fact, that very comfort that you're seeking, you'll become a slave to. The very cherry picking out of the vomit, you'll become a slave to the very mud that's, that, that draws you into a place of, of cool, damp, nice recliner, that you'll become enslaved to, the, to that kind of comfort. So if we're seeking that, that's what we're going to find. Our, um, <clears throat> our Americanized Christianity looks nothing like following Jesus. We've, I've shared this with you a little bit before, but our Americanized culture has so sanitized Christianity and when you look at this book, when you look in God's Word, it, it, it looks something drastically different from, from American faith, from an Americanized faith. There's a lot of risk involved with it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt and pain involved with it. There's a lot of, of severing relationships and bonds and ties and habits involved with it. There's, in fact, he says to follow me. If a guy wants to be a, a disciple of mine, a follower of mine, told the rich guy this, deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow me. You mean leave father, leave leave father, leave mother, leave kids, leave job, leave leave it all behind. Do equipment? No, but I have to sit in the throne of your of your life. If those things are if those are in the throne of your life, that's got to go. You've got to see me as far more superior, far more important, far more desirable, far more you're far more hungry for me than you are those things. If you're not willing to do that. He said, you can't be a follower of mine. And our Americanized Christianity looks nothing like that. It looks like the vomit. It looks like picking and choosing the things we want of the world, the things we want of our culture that make us feel comfortable, the things that, 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 that soothe us, soothe, our, soothe, soothe, that, soothe that hot pig's skin in that damp, cool mud. We, we're looking for things to make us comfortable, looking for things to soothe us, to, 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 to make us feel, I can manage all of this. And in truth, we can't manage all of this apart from him. Uh, and, and by design, we can't. Um, there's there's all kinds of slavery in the world. And I love that phrase that we looked at just a few moments ago. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. So my question today, as a couple of observations and we're done, but my question before those observations is what have you allowed to master you? We become enslaved to the things that have mastered us. What have you allowed to master you? Job, relationship, habit, addiction. Um, It's it's amazing the things that incrementally and we and none of us walk into that thinking, Oh yeah, this is what I want. No, it's just it's a step at a time, it's a conversation at a time, it's a thought at a time, it's a mouse click at a time. It's just one at a time. And over time we find ourselves how did I get here? How did I get in bondage to this? How, how did I knowingly pick something up that's now holding me? It's got a, got a, a, a grip on me that is harder to let go than I, th- I thought. I could I thought I could just grab a little of that and still love Jesus, and a little of that and still love Jesus, and a little of that and still, and, and incrementally we find ourselves engrossed in a culture that doesn't look like Him and doesn't welcome Him and doesn't want Him, and yet we'd rather fit in there. Then didn't fit in with him. And he's saying we, we can become enslaved to that incrementalism. We can be, become enslaved to these little, these little things, this, this idea of emptiness and the need of the moment and, and become enslaved to the familiar, enslaved to ourselves. We can become enslaved incrementally to these things and look up five years later and wonder what happened and figure out how do I get back to where I was. Well, a couple of observations here and we're done. Most, uh, most of our chains are chains of choice. Now, you think, well, this happened to me. I had no control over this happening to me. I lost a job. I got fired or or my marriage crumbled or or, or this didn't work. I had no choice in this matter. I mean, this, this happened to me. Yes, it did. But it's your choice of how you respond to that. And it's your choice of how you let that keep you in bondage and keep you in slavery or whether you allow that, you see that situation, that lost job, that lost marriage, that lost loved one, that lost whatever, whatever the loss may be or the failure may be. We see that and we allow that to to, to still enslave us and still still enslave our minds and define who we are rather than say that happened to me, but I'm, I, I'm choosing today not to be a victim of it anymore. You're continuing to stay a victim of the things that happened to you as your own choice. Whether they happened to you or not, may not be and that's up to god you think well, i want them to pay <laughs> it's up to god to get to pay them back the longer we want them to pay the longer we stay a victim to it and so if we can release those kinds of things and let those let that hurt let that pain let that loss go let him handle it we'll find ourselves in a place of freedom and not enslaved to being a victim of those those very circumstances that put us in the pit and we're wondering how do i get here and how do i get out I get out by choosing not to stay here anymore. I get out by climbing out of the pit, looking at those circumstances, looking at that situation, maybe loss, maybe health, maybe what, maybe money, looking at those circumstances and saying, not anymore, not anymore. It may have been my own problem that led to that, it may have been somebody else's problem that led to that, but not anymore i 'm choosing not to be enslaved by that anymore i 'm dropping the chain today and saying, No mas this is, this is, this ceases today this this stops today so whether I chose it, whether I didn't choose it, staying there is a choice. My own chains are my own choice. Coming out of them, though, and I touched on this, has to do more with our decisions, more with our choices than our circumstances. If we look at our circumstances, if we look at where we are, the enemy will always use our circumstances to lie to us. He's a master liar, the father of every lie, the scripture says. He will use our circumstances to define who we are. And over time, over time, we may not believe him today to say, your circumstances, that's exactly who you are. Over time, when we hear those messages over and over again, day after day, multiple times a day, you know what happens? We start to believe that our circumstances are who we are, and they're not. He defines, God defines who we are. Um, and decisions lead to change. Choices lead to change, not our circumstances. You can't, we can't wait on our circumstances to change before we start to say, okay, I'm not enslaved that anymore. Remember what God did with Abraham on the, on the mountain with Isaac? Took Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him. God didn't change his circumstances, meaning the ram in the thicket that was was a replacement. He didn't change his circumstances until he he saw Abraham's decision. When he saw that Abraham's decision was, I'm going to take the life of my own child, then the circumstances changed. It changed as a result of a decision, not the other way around. And we sadly think, well, once my circumstances change, I'll walk with God again. I'll get intimate with him again. I'll I'll love him again. We'll be together again. Once my circumstances get better, and that's not how God works. You know how He works? Once you have a decision to follow me, then I'm going to work on your circumstances. But not until you decide, I'm leaving that. I'm not becoming slave to that. I'm walking away from that. I'm choosing not to be a victim to that anymore. No more. Not today. Then after that decision, we'll start to see God work in the circumstances and the relationships around us to surround us with the very things and the very people we need to move closer to Him. Yet, the enemy thinks it's the other way around and he's good at helping us see it. Where's your God? Look at your life. Look at your circumstances. Where's your God? What I want you to hear today is your God is waiting on your decision to say no more. No more bondage to that anymore. Making a choice not to walk that place anymore. When he sees that choice and he knows your heart to know whether it's true or not or whether it's just lip service. When he sees that choice in us, He responds to that choice every time. You can take this book and look at story after story after story after story. When a person decides, I'm I'm walking with him regardless of what happens. God starts to change their life, starts to change their circumstances. But it doesn't work the other way around. You know why? Because God doesn't care about your circumstances. He cares about your heart. He cares about your motive. He cares about your desire. He cares about who you are, not where you are. He can control where you are and change it in a second if he wants to. He cares about your heart and the things that drive that. Things that help us to to, to move into, this is who I am. That's who I was. This is who I am. That's who I was. I'm no longer that anymore. I'm no longer there anymore. And I choose daily not to be there. Well, hard decisions, yeah, they are hard decisions. But God responds to our hard decisions. He responds to to the things that he opens to us, makes available to us, and was the ram there all along? Or did the ram just appear to Abraham? I have no idea. You know what I believe? I believe the ram was there all along. But Abraham could never see it until God spoke to him because he was so focused on obedience. He was so focused on, as hard as this is, I'm taking lot my own son, that that's, that's his, that was his singular focus. And God said, hey, 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 hey. Stop. There's a ram over here. But until, until he saw in Abraham's heart following through with what he had led him to do, the ram was no option Shit. yet. And so when you and I can get, get our focus on where he wants us to go, on the fact that I belong to him, he defines who I am, he defines who, the, the, the life that I have, he defines my purpose, he defines my direction, and not my past, and not who I used to be, he responds to those kinds of decisions. And our circumstances will, will change. Guarantee it. Now, they may not change overnight, but they will change. And we'll start to see... He's been in this all along. He's been in this all along. The, the place I am today, God has designed all along for me to be here and to move from here to there through this relationship, through this contact, through this meeting, through this lunch, through this. That's, he's designed all of that all along. For, uh, and I thought the, the, the pit was the pit was nothing but evil, and the pit can be nothing but evil in how we get there, but in how God uses us to get out, He designs every step. Why? Because He's got a divine design for each of us. And every step of our life is ordered by Him. If we look for it and walk with Him and seek it, we'll find it. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.